You do that all the time. I'm not going to disagree with you, but I think you're wrong. You're listening to the Dealer Refresh Podcast in the Mix, where we explore the hottest topics going on right now in automotive retail, providing analysis and insights for dealers and automotive professionals. I just sat through meetings and meetings going over the new you know, General Motors programs for essential brand elements and uh, standards for excellence, which have all changed for the year 2018. Um, I would argue not for the better. And um, it's uh, be interesting. It'll be an interesting you don't have year. A, you, don't, you don't have a Cadillac brand, right? Uh, no, no. So Pinnacle doesn't affect nope. you? Thank God. I've heard that's What nightmare. is Pinnacle? Is Pinnacle like an initiative? Yeah. Well, you don't know because you're not Cadillac. Well, so Chevy, Buick, GMC, it's kind of, it's an, yes, it's a General Motors initiative uh, tied to various different things, um, similar, I think, to essential brand elements, which is, you know, Buick GMC's kind of guidelines. But I think it's a little bit more involved. I think Project Pinnacle has quite a, a stranglehold on its dealers. Well, I got to tell you, you know, we talked yesterday after I we did the roundtable, which you which you uh, were able to watch. Thank you, by the way, uh, which was uh, yesterday with Pash, Brian Pash, and Kay Fry, Kevin Fry. Um, all my conversations over the past week have significantly emphasized or brought the realization of the opportunity at hand for fixed ops for, for dealers in the fixed op side. And even today on refresh Friday, that was, so John Quinn came on, mm-hmm. he's from uh, dealer.com sure. and that was his big message. So, um, well, and so what's the opportunity? I'm, I'm, maybe I'm missing something, but what, what do you think the opportunity is? So here's what we, here's what we talked about on, on the today's broadcast. John was arguing that there's an imbalance of advertising and, and resources invested towards towards variable ops, towards selling cars, and that it's, it would make sense for dealers to shift some of those ad dollars. Now, Why? I brought I, – I retorted back with the question of, well, wait a minute – you know, cars, service and parts is not sexy. Cars are sexy. And without without cars, if you're not selling cars, then you don't have customers to service. The And then the other side, on that same direction, it's less expensive, it's more cost efficient to market to existing customers. So it does, you know, I asked him, why do you think it is that way? And it was really kind of a loaded question because the the reason it's that way is because it is because you do market to your customer base to bring them in for service. That's what you that's the, where you put those marketing dollars. But his argument is that dealers should put more effort, more resources, and more capital into marketing, not just existing customers, but but for fixed ops in general. If your dealer comes and says, "Chris, you know, we need to put more money into fixed ops," and you said, "Well, okay, why?" What would he say? Well, first, he probably wouldn't do that, um, <laughs> so it's hard for me to say. <laughs> and second, yeah, there's there's multiple reasons why dealers don't spend more money in fixed ops, and none of those reasons were the ones that either one of you guys mentioned. Um, I haven't seen your interview with John Quinn, but I'm assuming you know it's it's being spoken from a, a website slash marketing person standpoint. And the reality is is that marketing dollars that are used for co-op purposes, let's say, in most cases, 
don't really incentivize a dealer or repay back a dealer with match programs for for service programs so that's one of your main reasons Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and then um second reason being well uh, there's three i guess with me there's always three reasons second reason yes what you said right it's a lower dollar value um and uh if we're going to spend money in advertising, we should probably spend money on our bigger ticket items, right? Because you can use things like that are cheaper, like, um, uh, I don't know, you can use your CRM database to market first service to your, uh, to your new owners. And then the third reason I would add in there is that um, there's just not enough space. So let me give you an example, right? Uh not enough market share? No, not enough physical space at the dealership. Right. People don't realize the amount. So if we sell, you know, an average of a few thousand cars a year, and for the first few years, you know, we have warranties and we have programs that, that people buy into that allow them to come service the car at the dealership. And, you know, obviously through the OEM, we have certain retention goals that we're trying to keep within our, our preferred area uh, of the city. When you have, let's say, an express lube or a, a quick lube, that does oil changes and you have three bays and you look at the hours that you're open, right? Comparative to the amount of cars that you sell and your ability to churn, you know, that quick lube service customer in and out. It's very, very, it's tight, man. Like you only get to, you only have the ability to do so many oil changes. There is a finite amount of things that you can do with those three service bays. Or those three. All right, let me throw this at you. I'll throw this at you, and I brought this up. And this is an old statistic, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure it's still relevant. I'm sure it's still accurate. But from what I understand, about 70% of vehicle owners that are still in warranty with the original manufacturer warranty, about 70% of those owners take their car to service to, to an independent outside of the dealership. And to your point, the dealer's service bays are full and the better ones run two shifts and keep them full because they know what they're doing. And so as you, as you point out, well, there's not enough, you know, they're, they're already booked out, but why not just grow that function? Why not build, expand on the facility, have multiple facilities? Why not make that investment? If you know that's that seven out of 10 of your customers potentially aren't coming to you that, that, that drive your brand, then there's plenty of market share. You just got to figure out how to get. But it. we're not in the we're not in that market, right? So we're not. I mean, we're we're dealerships. We sell new cars. We service as a byproduct, right? So the reasons why we're not building out more, you know, service bays next door is one. Who wants to buy that land or or lease that land to put on, you know, another four or five service bays just to turn out oil changes? Like the the, the money doesn't add up. It doesn't pencil. That's why. You're saying because the bulk of that business is oil changes yes. and warranty work, which we know you don't make you know, the bulk. You don't your profits not. There's on no profit in that, that business for us, and and it's not our core competency yeah. as a dealer. It's just not, you know. So, so that answers. I mean, that, those are the reasons why you know people don't uh, dealerships tend to not advertise fixed ops because you know, OEM programs and and other uh, things that you have to buy into. Um, just to have your franchise, you know, there are ownership components to those. And those are sufficient enough in most cases. Like you can't really advertise to a guy who, whose clutch just went out. You know what I mean? Like you don't know, right? <laughs> I, it's so it's just that's why I needed. That's why you need a. That's why you need a, di- eh, a diagnostics yeah, tool. I guess. 
<laughs> Let's put it to yeah. rest because you I, you got your point across. I'm going to recap that. So for those that are there's a there is a strong argument that dealers should invest more resources into fixed ops, and your argument on that is well in theory, but in reality is the bulk of the business and the market out there is oil changes of warranty work, and it's not that profitable. So it might not really be worth going that exactly. Direction. All right, fair, said and done. This podcast and the following message are brought to you by Vehicle Acquisition Network. When you're trying to keep your pre-owned lots stocked with high-quality, in-demand vehicles, dealing with auctions can be costly and time-consuming. Plus, you always risk having your price bid up by competing dealers. With Van, you go straight to the source, acquiring pre-owned vehicles directly from private sellers in your target market. The Vehicle Acquisition Network saves you time and money by automatically searching online listings to locate your most sought-after units from independent sellers in your area. Find the pre-owned vehicles you want faster than your competitors for hundreds less than you would pay at auction. For more information, text BUY WITH VAN to 555-888 or go to dealerrefresh.com slash V-A-N. What's new in the forums? Let's see. We got um, virtual reality type showroom, who is innovating, uh, press release, press release. Are you trying to cut your way to mar- cut your way to growth? Ooh, That's stunning. There was a press release that, that was just released that we could talk about, which was Fastlane's um, uh, opening up to- Car buying uh, platform? Yeah, Fastlane's car buying platform. Uh, let's call it front end desking tool that- uh, yes. Which we haven't, we haven't really, we haven't really blazed a trail in that term. No, yet. not yet, because we'll just wait till next year around NADA time, and then uh, we'll, we'll come in, we'll come out with it loaded. But anyways, do so they're search. opening up. If the- you search for front end, hold on. If you search for front end desking, you get you get desks, you get office desks. Oh, perfect. So we've got the we're going to be able to take over the market there. <laughs> oh wait a minute! No, 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 no. Hold on. Time out. <clears throat> CDK Global dealership front end. Streamline your entire vehicle sales and purchase process with our full suite of front-end solutions. You should know about that. Why? No? I have I don't a know. job. I would just think that you would. Well, because it's CDK. <laughs> you know what? I don't follow everything that they do. <laughs> uh, Promax is up there, too. Oh, good for them. Ooh, guess who else is oh. up there? AskTheManager.com, oh, November 2016. Hey, Mr. Dealer, you don't have sales managers. You've got deskers. Deal writers, as I would call them. Yeah. Deskers. All right. So Fastlane, what what uh, what caught your eye oh, about that? So they they it seems like they to me that they're the first ones to offer this type of solution to independent lots. And uh, the reason why it interested me is because I have a friend who owns an independent lot, and we were talking about various tools the other day, you know, like trade-in tools. Uh, finance applications, all those types of things. And each one of those typically in, in the market, any any one of them that's any good is going to be a few hundred bucks, right? So I was like, there's got to be something out there that kind of like, I don't know, you know, maybe I was just thinking this when I came across the press release, but I saw the press release and I, uh, it in, instantly caught my eye because I was like, I bet you this tool could be the trade-in tool and the finance application and everything else that you want it to be all in one, then you don't have to pay multiple people for various things. So I reached out to Brandon and him and I are supposed to talk next week, actually. Um, but I think it's interesting because the price point seems to be decent, which is, I think, a couple hundred bucks. Um, 
but you know, allowing independent lots to have some of the the cool tools out mm-hmm. there, or, you know, ability to it. It's an underserved market, and so it's nice to see some folks getting into it. That's cool. I mean, the the products. It's the same product for independent or franchise, I assume, right? I don't see why it would be. Or different. not really. I guess the fran. Well, I guess the difference is the, the to service the franchise side, you need to integrate with. You probably need to do DMS integration, so so you can get like the incentives and the aftermarket type of stuff. But with independents, you don't need that information because it's not part of the sale. It seems to me like it would be easier with independent than it would be with franchise. But that's what I'm thinking yeah. too. Place place your order. So you're talking to Brandon. Yeah, next some more week? to come on that for anybody who's listening that that runs an independent lot. So here here's one challenge people are having on the on the blog, just so you know, is Jeff a long time ago turned off the comments on the blog and he had, he experimented a little bit with like discuss, uh, that, that plugin, he experimented with Facebook comments so that if, you know, you basically you were commenting through your Facebook account, then he had the forum integrated and somewhere along the way. And I don't know how long ago, uh, the forum comments came off the blog too. So what we started doing was we would have, when you did an article, we would have you create a thread and then link the forum to uh, link the article to the thread, right? And, and put this conversation there. Well, typically the author of the post would go to the forum, create a thread and basically say, this is for my blog post, which then makes it look like you're trying to promote your article, which I guess you kind of are if you're linking to it. And so it comes across that way. Some people gloss by that and some people get annoyed by that, right? <laughs> so I I don't know what the answer is, but my suggestion for those that do contribute to the blog and, and partake in the forums, and this was the conversation Steve and I had, and so we modified his post. I said, look, the purpose of the article is to get your point across, that's the purpose. And traditionally, you have comments open so that people can can discuss your point and your ideas, debate, argue, and whatever. The purpose of the fo- of a forum, <coughs> by its nature, really is less about getting your point across, is more about collaborating and having a conversation. Wouldn't you agree? What's the, per- what's the, the kind of the, the nature of a forum? <laughs> Hey, look, Chris is like sipping coffee. He's like chilling. I th- Ryan's babbling. Yeah, exactly. I think you're trying to put too much thought into it. I think, you know, comments should be turned on because if you're talking, you know, if you put a post up, it's either you want comments or you don't want comments, right? If you want comments, then put the comments on the piece of content. So then that way you don't, you can always refer back to it. Like what was, what, you know, where did I say that one thing? Oh, I said it about this, this piece of content or whatever. When you, when you mix it up like that and then you have to go back and forth to, you know, maybe copy and paste or quote uh, a line or something like well, that. Well, you sh- you shouldn't have to if you do it right. Every you shouldn't okay, have so to. So l- let me put it let me put it bluntly. Everywhere else on the internet allows you to post comments within the same thread as the article. That's a bad argument. That is a bad argument. Oh, <laughs> what? Yeah, because I can't because I can't disagree. Right. You're right. <laughs> I can't disagree. This is why, this is why my <laughs> wife doesn't fight with me. But if you look at it this way, I don't care how you look at it. Just look at everybody else. Oh, so everyone should just do what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Well, it's yes. When it comes to things like no. that, yes, there needs to be structure. You drive on roads. Why? Because the roads are where you drive. Like you don't drive on a sidewalk. You can, but would you? Do you know? Well, I have no argument. You win. Thank you. 
I digress. <laughs> so anyway, back to my point about that. <laughs> There's no Zen theoretical, this is where this lives, and then the happy little place over here is where this lives. It's just comments going you know, underneath the articles everywhere. So that's how it should be. See, I see it. I actually see it quite much more simply. You read an article and then there's a link that says, go here to talk about this article. Boom. Like it's just as simple as having the comments in the post. No, it's comments in the simple. post. That's just how it should be. All right. You win that Thank one. Go to every news site um, that are that's out there. It doesn't send you to a different subdomain of their own website to go talk about the news article. If you want to overcomplicate it, go to dealerrefresh.com. All right, my friend, what's next? So Volvo, uh, we talked about this a little bit the other day. Volvo came out with their, I I guess they've been talking about it since September, but I must have missed it. But they started their own um, subscription program called Care by Volvo. Mm -hmm. And you can subscribe to uh, a relatively decent car or a little bit better decent car, which is the same model. It's the Volvo XC40 or the Volvo. Volvo. I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it. Volvo. It's there you go. Volvo. Just got to give up your your bottom lip. Volvo XC40R, (laughs) um, which is actually a pretty decent decent looking car. Uh, and the price points are $600 for one, $700 for the other per month. Includes insurance, which is interesting. And um, after 12 months, you're able to turn the car back in, get a different car. I guess a different of the same car, maybe. So it's a 12-month stipulation. It's actually a 24-month stipulation, but after 12, you can trade in. Maybe well, How is like- that different from a lease other than including the insurance? Um, you don't have to have any upfront money? There is $0 down. That's correct. And, okay. Uh, so... And uh, service is also included in that and um, zero upfront dollars. Yeah, And it's 15,000 miles per year is kind of the, the stipulation, which is plenty of miles for most people. Sure. So do you, I'm sure there's different price points. Do you see that? 600 and 700. It's for, the, it's for one line, the XC40, you said? Yeah. So it's the XC40 or the XC40R is a 700. All right. So six or seven hundred a month, no no money down, insurance and maintenance included, can get out of it every twelve months. That's a pretty good deal. That's a pretty good deal. That's a pretty good deal. I mean because you put no money down on a Volvo for a lease and you're probably looking at eight hundred bucks a month. To buy it, you know, would be would be tough to buy it with no money down. So and you're probably looking at like eleven or twelve hundred a month. So that's a good deal. Yeah, it's a good deal. It's a really interesting model. Um and I think, you know, I think we're probably going to see more and more more of this. I think that I, I can't help but think like this is a new purchase model, man. It really yeah. is. It's like whatever well, whatever level tier or thing that you subscribe to, you know, you've got premium cars, luxury cars, sports cars, you know, like yeah. magazines or whatever. You subscribe to so, different types for, for different reasons. So I'm going to break this down because we are seeing this happen fast. And to to... To the to Bob Lutz's point in his uh, in his piece on Auto News that we're going to see transformation, you know, you know, five years strong. I think he actually said w- dealers will be gone in five years, which was a bit aggressive. But and I don't and I don't want to quote. I'm probably misquoting him. But here's what we are going to see because we're already seeing it. The OEMs are going to introduce their subscription models, which 
need to which are going to need to be competitive because the dealer groups are going to are going to are already starting to offer their own subscription models and they have they have different contingencies and options that the OEM just doesn't have because the OEM is limited by their obviously by their model so you've got that and then you've got you know the car maxes of the world that have you know a used car business and so they're going to have their their models as well and we're probably going to see new players get into the space so it probably could really open things up quite a bit. Yeah, it also it, it all just it can happen real fast. Yeah, it, totally, and it all just comes down to who has the money and who has the cars, right? Yeah, and in that sense, someone like Carvana might have a real edge. Maybe, you know, they might really have. They might have accidentally placed themselves, or or intentionally, knowingly, but they could have accidentally put themselves in position for a real competitive edge. I mean, there's nothing stopping them from you know, uh, uh, completely pivoting their, their model currently and going after a company like fair versus going after the dealership market. Yeah. You know, a lot of people say, Oh, I love the idea of a subscription model. I can just go in and out of a car anytime I want. I practically speaking, that's kind of a pain in the butt. You have things in your car. You don't want to move, you know, when you buy a new car, it's like, Oh my God, I got all these things. I gotta get out of my car and into the other one. So that's, I think in a practical sense, you have to take the human, you have to take the human thing out of it, right? It's like people moving houses that they rent. I mean, it it can be done. It's not hard. You just pack up your stuff and put it into a different place. Yeah. You don't want to live in a hotel all all your life. Right. (laughs) You don't want to be moving around and same thing in a car. Well, no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's easy, right? So you're, you're, you're positioning it as like, oh, I've got to move my, you know, my little tray of pennies I keep right here. It's going to take me a day to get all this stuff out of my car over to this car. And it's like, no, what if the sales, you know, the person does it for you, takes everything out and just puts it into the new car for you. I'm just (laughs) saying that's not a hard thing. That's not like a, I wouldn't say. Well, I think what what I'm saying is you're not just going to be able to get in and out of a car like a rental at at a whim. There's going to be stipulations because someone, there's a cost for that. Are you thinking people just like roll up to a place and just hop in a car and like, see ya? No, I'm not thinking. Well, there are models like that. I'm thinking it more of akin to like the modern day, like an airport where you, you might go to, let's just say an auto mall and there's all these different brands and all these different ways to use a car. You could be, you could be renting a car for a day. You could be using a car for, for a weekend, for a few weeks, you're in town, you might want a Volvo for a year. And that's the best economic option is to go that route. You're just going to have a whole grocery store, you know, you're going to, you're going to have all these different options and that's all, that's, what's going to happen. Our, our choices and our options are going to, are going to expand quite a bit. And I, and I think public transit will transit will be a big part of that too. Oh, sure. You know, it's not about ownership. It's less about ownership and more about, you know, flexibility and, and options I mean, it's without all giving up your freedom. It's all transportation at its core, right? So mm-hmm. it, it's just a matter of trying to make the money where you can make the money. That's all. You just got to pivot a little bit. And I don't know if you caught that, but it's about, it's about not giving up the freedom that, that having a car gives you because nobody wants to give that up. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I, I mean, to me, that's the more interesting thing that's happening because it has a lot of, uh, it has a lot of impact on the whole industry more than say like, you know, online car buying or something like that. I mean, yeah, it's got its role uh, in a sense, but it's not as um, I 
and I hate using this term, it's not as disruptive as, as purchase models, right? Real money, you know, giving people real money uh, differently than, than just outright, you know, buying something. And I mean, the start of that was when iPhone, you know, like Apple and everybody else started subsidizing the prices of, of phones, really. You know what I mean? Everything's on an upgrade schedule. Everybody wants the new thing. Nobody can get the new thing because they just got the old thing and then, you know, they're flat broke. Well, how do we sell more new things? Well, maybe if we subsidize the payments, we can give them the new things because we can charge them less, but more often. Mm-hmm. I like that. I'm ready for yeah. a new phone. I just got mine less than a year ago. All right. So... The Dealer Refresh Roundtable, we've talked about it. We've done six of them now. Uh, I know you were on one. I think you're on number four, which, by the way, is coming out uh, real soon before the holidays. Number four will be out. Um, I actually have it, so now I just got to get it uh, skinned up a little bit. But just uh, today, really just the other day, I published uh, an announcement on the blog introducing the Dealer Refresh Roundtable to the world. It's officially being released and I'm excited because it's been, this has been something that we formalized, unofficially formalized with cars.com at NADA. And what was that February? And after brainstorming ideas and, you know, concepts and names and slogans, we, you know, we, we did our first round table in July. That was uh, Mr. Ed Brooks and Greg Heim from Long Island Ferrari, who I got to get back to. He just, uh, I was just talking to him the other day. Um, so yeah, it's out there. Go to dealerrefreshroundtable.com for more information. You'll see uh, three recent sessions and you'll have the option to register with the series. And by registering with the series, you only have to do it once. And then you'll get uh, reminders for each upcoming event. We're doing uh, one episode a month for right now. The next one is on January 4th, which... Mr. Leslie, we will, uh, Bill Playford's going to be on. Um, we will be talking about vehicle subscriptions. Cool. I'm interested to, so, to, uh, to hear what Bill has to say. Yeah. Or if you want to jump on there, you know, I always got a seat for you. And uh, second announcement, uh, just released the mini webinar for dynamic inventory ads on Facebook and Google, right message, right shopper, right time. That, by the way, I don't know if, you know anything about that, Chris? But uh, it's pretty technical, and you're a techie. You're a techie guy, so you might like that. Uh, the mini version just gives you an overview of what we explored, and then the full version, edited down, was 59 minutes. Wow, that's <laughs> yeah. a lot of techie talk. Yeah, but if you're an agency that provides that you know wants to provide <clears throat> that service to dealers, uh, it's it's really informative for an agency. Uh, so, so look for that on dealer fresh, how to use dynamic inventory ads on Facebook and Google. It's, uh, part of our mini webinar series. Every time we do a, f- a webinar, we re we rebroadcast it or re-release it as a mini webinar. And then we podcast it. Do you do any, uh, dynamic inventory advertising? You know this man. I do. Of course. I do. You do it. You do it by hand, don't you? Uh, well, I don't think there's a way you to do it by hand, but <laughs> there is a way to do it yourself. All right, man. Hey, well, have a great weekend. You too.